0: This is The World in Brief, from The Economist. Our Top Stories The Democrats retained control of the Senate after Catherine Cortez Masto was elected for a Nevada seat. That gives the party 50 seats in the upper house, with only Georgia, which has gone to a runoff, still to declare. Ms. Cortez Masto beat Adam Laxalt, A Donald Trump endorsed Republican, emphasizing what a torrid midterms the former president's picks have endured. The result followed that in Arizona, in which Mark Kelly, the Democratic incumbent, beat Blake Masters, another Trump endorsee. The Republicans, however, still look favorites to flip the House of Representatives, although with a smaller majority than they had originally hoped for. With some vote counts proceeding at a glacial pace, the full results for the lower chamber may not be known for days. Israel's president, Isaac Herzog, gave Benjamin Netanyahu, a former prime minister, a mandate to form a new government. In an election on November 1st, a pro-Netanyahu bloc won 64 out of 120 seats in the Knesset. Mr. Netanyahu's government is expected to include far-right and religious parties, including the Jewish Power Party, led by Itamar Ben-Gavir, an extremist long excluded from mainstream politics. Turkey's vice president, Fuat Oktay said an explosion in Istanbul, which killed six people and injured more than 50, was thought to have been a terrorist attack carried out by a woman. Videos show flames and a loud bang on Istaklal Avenue, a shopping street which is popular with locals and tourists. Ukraine's president, Volodymyr Zelensky, said in his daily address that authorities in the city of Kherson had discovered thousands of mines and shells left by Russian troops, who withdrew on Friday. Much of the city's critical infrastructure was also destroyed and supplies of bread and medicine are running out. Russia announced that Henechesk, a town 180 kilometers away on the Sea of Azov, would become the temporary administrative capital of Kherson province. Vladimir Putin, the president of Russia, and Ebrahim Raisi, his Iranian counterpart, held a phone call to discuss political, trade, and economic cooperation between their countries. At an earlier meeting on Wednesday, Iranian and Russian security officials shared measures to combat quote, Western interference in their internal affairs. Both countries are facing discontent at home and are subject to Western sanctions. Janet Yellen, America's Treasury Secretary, indicated she would quiz the head of China's National Bank about whether China plans to loosen its zero-COVID policy and how it would deal with its property market crisis. Ms. Yellen is due to meet Yigong at the G20 summit in Bali on Monday. China recorded nearly 15,000 new COVID infections on Saturday, a hefty caseload by its recent standards. And fact of the day. 18. The voting age in Malaysia. The threshold was lowered from 21 last year giving 1.2 million more young people the right to vote on November 19th. And now here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Biden and Xi meet in Bali. President Joe Biden and his Chinese counterpart, Xi Jinping, will try to stop a downward spiral in relations when they meet in Bali on Monday. It will be their first face-to-face encounter since Mr. Biden became president in January 2021. Mr. Biden's approach to China has been unceasingly tough. He has curbed its access to advanced computing technology with a sweeping set of export controls, and repeatedly pledged to defend Taiwan, the self-governing island that China seeks to unify with the mainland. White House officials talk of quote, finding a floor in the relationship, They are seeking ways to cooperate on issues such as climate change and food security. But Chinese officials demand that America give ground on Taiwan and technology exports before they discuss other issues. Mr. Biden says no concessions will be made at the meeting. He wants to talk about, quote, red lines on both sides. Even that would count as progress. Challenges for India's Central Bank These are busy times for the Reserve Bank of India. As the rupee has depreciated against the dollar, reaching a record low in October, the central bank has intervened to stem the slide. Burning through about $112 billion of foreign exchange reserves, it has also launched a pilot for a digital rupee, a central bank digital currency. The RBI's biggest task, however, remains tackling inflation. Data for October, due on Monday, are likely to reveal an annual inflation rate of about 6.7%. That would be an improvement over the 7.4% recorded in September, but still above the target range of 2-6%. to Rising prices have been driven by soaring food costs, which account for nearly half of India's consumer price index but inflationary pressure may now be easing as global food inflation has slowed. The RBI's governor is bullish. Shakti Das believes that India's fundamentals are strong, and the central bank's regime of raising interest rates, up by 1.9 percentage points since April and expected to rise again in December, is working. Crypto's worst days may be yet to come. It has been a terrible year for crypto. By early November, tightening financial conditions had halved the cryptosphere's total market capitalization. The latest blow may prove even worse. On Friday, FTX, a cryptocurrency exchange run by Sam Bankman-Fried and Alameda Research, his trading firm, filed for bankruptcy. Evidence suggests FTX, quote, lent $10 billion in customer funds to Alameda to prop it up. Regulators in both America and the Bahamas are investigating FTX. Whether customers get their money back has yet to be seen. The crash will have lasting reverberations. FTX was deeply entangled with the rest of the cryptosphere, having invested in startups and bailed out faltering crypto firms like Voyager and BlockFi. Uncertainty about whether such firms will find new backers has contributed to another fall of almost 20% in crypto's value in the past week. And while the crash has not yet spilled over into other financial markets, America's government says crypto needs more oversight. While regulation may help restore faith in legitimate crypto businesses, it could crush parts of the sector which thrive in its absence. The Real Work of COP27 Begins On Monday morning, tired delegates will shuffle back to a giant conference center in Sharm El Sheikh to begin the second week of COP27, the United Nations' annual climate conference. World leaders making grand promises have left Egypt. It is now up to the country's negotiating teams to hash out what they're prepared to do to tackle climate change. Much has been made this year of poor countries' desires for, quote, loss and damage funding to compensate for the impacts of rising temperatures. That is being formally debated for the first time. But resistance from rich countries makes it highly unlikely that a relevant mechanism will be established. The most substantive climate commitment made during COP27 will probably not be made in Egypt at all. Later this week, leaders in Bali for the G20 summit are expected to announce a $15 billion fund to help Indonesia decarbonize its coal-intensive economy, copying an $8.5 billion deal struck with South Africa at COP26 last year. Yellowstone Returns Montana to the Spotlight John Dutton sees enemies everywhere, and they are coming for his land. This is the premise of Yellowstone which returned to Paramount on Sunday. In four previous seasons, Dutton, played by a leathery looking Kevin Costner, has defended his Montana ranch from the government, hedge funds, militias, conservationists, and his own children. Horses and cattle may be how the West was won, Mr. Costner growls, but death and taxes is how we're gonna lose it. Some of the Dutton's defense is done with assault rifles, but the family deploys ruthless real politic on par with succession or house of cards. This fifth season will see Dutton become governor of Montana. The show explores the state's real politics, too, such as the growing pains of its towns expanding into wilderness. Yellowstone is so popular that Taylor Sheridan, its creator, is planning two historical prequels, 1883 and 1923, and a Texas spinoff. Giddy up. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers. And as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 GMT on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Monday. Which painter, a close associate of the writer Lytton Strachey, was portrayed by Emma Thompson in a 1995 biopic? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Elsa Schiaparelli, who died on this day in 1973. In difficult times, fashion is always outrageous. That's The World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week.